Chapter Three of the Laughing Cavalier, Ancestor of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Laughing Cavalier, Ancestor of the Scarlet Pimpernel, by Baroness Ortzi. Chapter Three, An Interlude. At the corner of Damstrat where the low postern gate cuts into the tall stuccoed wall there once more reigned silence as of the grave those that were hurt and wounded had managed to crawl away the town guard had made short work of it all the laws against street brawling and noisy assemblies were over severe just now it was best to hide a wound and go nurse it quietly at home fortunately the fog favoured the disturbers of the peace gradually they all contrived to sneak away and later on in the night to sally forth again for night-watch revelries looking for all the world as if nothing had happened tumult baptist baiting was there really any papist baiting this night ah these foreign adventurers do fill our peaceful city with their noise in the damstrat the fog and the darkness reigned unchallenged the second torch lay extinguished on the ground trampled out under the heel of a heavy boot and in the darkness three men were busy readjusting their mantles and trying to regain possession of their hats a very unprofitable entertainment growled socrates total darkness not a soul in sight and cold fit to chill the inner chambers of hell assented pythagoras and no chance of adding anything to the stock of three guilders which must suffice us for to-night concluded diogenes airily he was carefully wiping the shining blade of bucephalus with the corner of pythagoras's mantle verik zavalth and what the blank queried the latter in a high falsetto my mantle is almost new said diogenes reproachfully thou wouldst not have me soil it so soon i have a hole in my head fit to bury three guilders in murmured socrates with a sigh and i a blow in the stomach which has chilled me to the marrow sighed pythagoras and i a bruised shoulder laughed diogenes which hath engendered an unquenchable thirst i wouldn't sell my thirst for any money this night assented pythagoras to the lame cow then o pythagoras and i'll toss thee for the first drink of hot ale Ugh but my head feels mightily hot and thick said socrates somewhat huskily surely thou canst walk as far as the lame cow queried pythagoras anxiously i doubt me sighed the other ale whispered diogenes encouragingly warm sparkling spicy ale mmm mmm assented the wounded man feebly easy easy my friend said diogenes for his brother philosopher had fallen heavily against him what are we to do moaned pythagoras in his dulcet tones i have a thirst and we cannot leave this irresponsible fool to faint here in the fog hoist him up by the seat of his breeches then on to my back retorted diogenes lightly the lame cow is not far and i too have a thirst socrates would have protested he did not relish the idea of being tossed about like a bale of goods on his friend's back but he could only protest by word of mouth to which the others paid no heed and when he tried to struggle he rolled dizzy and faint almost to the ground there's nothing for it piped pythagoras with consummate philosophy 
i couldn't carry him if i tried diogenes bent his broad back and rested his hands on his thighs getting as firm hold of the slippery ground as he could socrates for the moment was like a helpless log there was much groping about in the darkness a good deal of groaning and a vast amount of swearing socrates had fortunately not fainted and after a little while was able to settle down astride on his friend's back his arms around the latter's neck pythagoras giving vigorous pushes from the rear when diogenes firmly grasping the wounded man's legs was at last able to straighten himself out again and did so to the accompaniment of a mighty groan and still more mighty oath he found himself confronted by two lanthorns which were held up within a few inches of his nose donderstein he ejaculated loudly and nearly dropped his half-conscious and swaying burden on the ground what is it now jacob queried a woman's voice peremptorily i cannot see clearly lady replied one of the lanthorn bearers two men i think then do thy thoughts proclaim thee a liar friend said diogenes lightly there are three men here at this lady's service though one is sick the other fat and the third a mere beast of burden let me see them jacob ordered the woman i believe they are the same three men who the lanthorn bearers made way for the lady still holding the lanthorns up so that the light fell fully on the quaint spectacle presented by the three philosophers there was socrates perched up aloft his bird-like face smeared with blood his eyes rolling in their effort to keep open his thin back bent nearly double so that indeed he looked like a huge plucked crow the worse for a fight and perched on an eminence where he felt none too secure and below him his friend with broad shoulders bending under the burden his plumed hat shading his brow his merry twinkling eyes fixed a little suspiciously on the four figures that loomed out of the fog in front of him his mocking lips ready framed for a smile or an oath his hands which supported the legs of poor wounded socrates struggling visibly toward the hilt of his sword and peeping round from behind him the short rotund form of pythagoras crowned with a tall sugar-loaf hat which obviously had never belonged to him until now for it perched somewhat insecurely above his flat round face with the small upturned nose slightly tinged with pink and the tiny eyes round and bright as new crowns undoubtedly the sight was ludicrous in the extreme and the woman who looked on it now burst into a merry peal of laughter oh maria dost see them she said turning to her companion an elderly woman in sober black gown and coif of tinsel lace hast ever seen anything so quaint she herself was young and in the soft light of the two lanthorns appeared to the three philosophers to be more than passing fair socrates thou malapert said diogenes sternly take my hat off my head at once and allow me to make obeisance to the lady or i'll drop thee incontinently on thy back then as socrates half mechanically lifted the plumed hat from his friend's head the latter bowed as well as he could under the circumstances and said gallantly thy servants lady and eternally grateful are we for a sight of thee at this moment when the world appeared peculiarly fog-ridden and unpleasant having been the fortunate cause of thy merriment might we now crave thy permission to continue our way the weight of my friend up there is greater than his importance warrants and i don't want to drop him ere we reach a haven of refuge 
where our priceless thirst will soon i hope find solace the delicate face of the young girl had suddenly become more grave your pardon gentle sirs she said with a pretty mixture of imperiousness and humility my levity was indeed misplaced i know ye now for the same three brave fellows who were fighting a few minutes ago against overwhelming odds in order to protect a woman against a rowdy crowd oh it was a valorous deed my men and i were on our way to watch night service and saw it all from a distance we dared not come nigh the rabble looked so threatening all i could do was to shout for help and summon the town guard to your aid it was you was it not she added regarding with great wondering blue eyes the three curious figures who stood somewhat sheepishly before her yes fair lady piped pythagoras in his neatest falsetto we were the three men who in the face of well-nigh overwhelming odds did save a defenceless woman from the insolent rabble my friend who is perched up there was severely wounded in the fray i myself received so violent a blow in the stomach that a raging thirst has since taken possession of my throat and he stopped abruptly and murmured a comprehensive oath he had just received a violent kick in the shins from diogenes what the blank he muttered but diogenes paid no heed to him looking on the dainty picture before him with eyes that twinkled whilst they did not attempt to conceal the admiration which he felt he said with elaborate gallantry which his position under the burden of socrates swaying figure rendered inexpressibly droll for the help rendered to us all at the moment of distress deign to accept mejuffrouw our humble thanks for the rest believe me our deed was not one of valour and such as it was it is wholly unworthy of the praise thou dost deign to bestow upon it i would tell thee more he added whimsically only that my friend behind me is violently kicking the calves of my legs which renders the elegant flow of language well-nigh impossible i stopped him talking just now he retaliates it is but just gentle sir said the girl who obviously had much ado to preserve her gravity your modesty doth but equal your gallantry this do i see quite plainly but if at any time i can do aught to express in a more practical manner the real admiration which i feel for your worth i pray you command me alas brave men are few these days but my father's name is known throughout holland his wealth and influence are vast i pray you tell me can i do aught for you now she spoke so artlessly and at the same time with such gentle dignity it was small wonder that for the nonce even the most talkative of all philosophers was dumb and that his habitual mocking banter failed to cross his lips the girl was young and exquisitely pretty the stiff unwieldy costume of the time failed to conceal altogether the graceful slenderness of her figure just as the prim coif of gold and silver tissue failed to hold the unruly golden curls in bondage the light from the lanthorns fell full on her face and round her throat beneath her fur-lined cloak there was a glimmer of starched linen and lace whilst gems in her ears and on her breast lent her an air of elegance and even of splendour pythagoras in the rear heaved a deep sigh he drew in his breath preparatory to a long and comprehensive oration can i do aught for ye the lady had said a lady who was rich and influential and willing ye thunders and lightnings when but three guilders stood between three philosophers and absolute penury 
ye hails and storms what an opportunity he would have approached the lady only diogenes wide shoulders blocked him out from her view can i do aught for you now she reiterated gently raise thy hand to my lips said diogenes lightly momentarily i have not the use of mine own she hesitated but only for a brief moment then did just what he asked she held her hand to his lips mayhap one second longer than was absolutely necessary and her eyes large deep and shy looked for that one second into a pair of merry mocking ones then she sighed whether with satisfaction or embarrassment i would not undertake to say and asked with a gracious smile and what is your next wish gentle sir thy leave to continue our journey to the lame cow he replied airily my friend up there is getting damnably heavy she drew back visibly surprised and hurt i do not detain ye she said curtly and without another word she turned to her lanthorn bearers and ordered them to precede her she also called to her duenna to follow but she did not bestow another look on the three men nor did she acknowledge the respectful farewell which came from the lips of the beast of burden the next moment she had already crossed the road toward the cathedral and she and her escort were swallowed up by the fog well of all the blank idiots that ever swore pythagoras in his shrillest tones even socrates pulled himself together in order to declare emphatically that diogenes was a confounded fool i pray thee raise thy hand to my lips mimicked pythagoras mockingly verik the jelf he muttered under his breath if you do not hold your tongue o wise pythagoras retorted diogenes with all his wonted merriment i'll even have to drop socrates on the top of you in order to break your head but tis a fortune the promise of a fortune which you let slip so stupidly there is a certain wisdom even in stupidity sometimes pythagoras as you will discover one day when your nose is less red and your figure less fat remember that i have three guilders in my pocket and that our thirst hath not grown less follow me now we've talked enough for to-night and he started walking down the street with long and rapid strides socrates up aloft swaying about like a dummy figure in carnival time and pythagoras still muttering a series of diversified oaths bringing up the rear end of chapter three recording by dion gines salt lake city utah